Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's all talent. I don't worry. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I going to be his boyfriend. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And we are sufficiently over our hangover of having interviewed Eugenie Bouchard. Sorry, Jeannie Bouchard. Yeah, what um, an exhausting but wonderfully exhausting Media, it felt like a media week, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as as you know, as famous as we are, it felt like a good. It was a good time. It was just people were really enjoying the episode, the content, the video. We were getting a lot of good feedback, so that was very exciting for us as our first interview. And you know, as we told Jeannie, we thanked her for taking our interview genity. Yeah. You have to um, trademark that phrase I, or term. That's true. We should. You know, you uh, you know. sometimes I'll come up with good ideas. Sometimes you do. We should trademark them together just so it's fair. Right? The changeover? Hello? Like, no one has played that game on any tennis podcast or show I've heard before. So Exactly. So uh, what we've learned from this episode so far is we're trademarking two things. <laughs> Interviewginity and the changeover. Correct. So Any, y'all, anybody who listens to this, that those are ours. Yeah, don't try and steal them. Don't fuck with us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were prepared to talk about Cincy, and we're prepared to talk about the U.S. Open, and we're prepared to talk about continuing activity in the bubble, and uh, some of it got sidelined or derailed by the Rebel. <gasps> Benoit Pair. Yeah. I know. My goodness. Like, again, one of these things where had we decided to record our episode earlier, we wouldn't have had this juicy piece of information. Yeah. So he is the first player in the bubble to have tested positive for COVID-19. Not yes. so, you know, maybe not so surprising because he did go with the moniker of the rebel at UTS. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so he has uh been told to obviously to self-isolate probably in his hotel one of the two hotels that they have on long island for them yes and uh, multiple players who have been part of that social circle mostly french folks are have also been asked to self-isolate including richard gasquet and mr adrian mandarino is it mandarino or mandarino Remember, it's Adrian Manorino was the guy that I thought had Rebecca's last name. Right. <laughs> so again, not Rebecca Manorino. <laughs> it's Adrian Manorino. Yes. Uh, but then, uh, and then there was, I think, one or two others. And I shared that story with you. But you have an interesting scoop because you were hanging out in Benoit Pair's IG Live event, whatever he was doing in his hotel, two nights ago. 
So this is going to be scoopy because perhaps there are some other players who should be self-isolating. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... Okay, let me, let's me let roll it back to 48 hours ago. Everyone knows I am absolutely obsessed with our IG. I just, you know, stock players, <laughs> DM <laughs> players constantly on our Ready Play t- Tennis podcast IG. And uh, Benoit opened a live session two nights ago. And, of course, being on IG, I joined. And I'm sad that I didn't remark how many people were actually in the room, like how many people were viewing his live chat session. But um, um, I just noticed he was there, obviously, in one of the Long Island hotels. The USTA um, had done a really great job by making sure that the players had, you know, all the things that they needed so they didn't get bored, weren't tempted to, you know, break protocol and leave the premises. So, you know, they had like a, you know, flight simulator and and, um, food trucks and, you know, games and arcades. And... Benoit, when he opened up his IG, he was with his French posse, like his French crew. So Tom Jombi, who's another guy that like loves us off and just watches our stories 24-7. And on a side note, he did one of these stories where he asked people to ask him questions. And he told us to ask Richard Gasquet what his favorite gelato flavor is. And Richard hasn't gotten back to us or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Busy, obviously. Um, Busy (laughs) self-isolating. Exactly. Well, now Richard has the time to answer our question. <laughs> Richard, our, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> let us know what Tom Jombie's favorite gelato flavor is, please. Um, but yeah, he was playing cards with a bunch of French people. And I noticed Tom Jombie there because he's for sure a cutie and then, you know, so striking and beautiful. He's very beautiful, and, yes. And Kiki was there, Kiki Mladenovic. And I believe, I know for certain she was there. I believe her brother was there as well. And, you know, they were just chilling out, having a nice old night of card playing. And lo and behold, Benoit Pair test positive not more than 48 hours later. Mm-hmm. And what we don't really know is when he tested positive. I mean, obviously, I would hope, hope, hope that the rebel would not be playing cards with such a huge posse knowing that he had tested positive. So let's assume that it happened after. Right. Those players were not Mm. on the list of players that I saw in the article who were told to self-isolate. So it's, you know, it's interesting to know. I mean, and I think we'll find out probably tomorrow, if not sooner than that, what the ramifications are for some of these players who were in his presence including you know kiki in her onesie perhaps with this <laughs> with the swiss almond ice cream jamoka smith swiss almond hagen does <laughs> <laughs> she was she was neither in a onesie nor having ice cream sorry i'm just bringing it back to our genie episode i just you know everybody should be in a onesie yeah, everyone should have at least one onesie in their closet. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the ramifications are for these players. And this is the risk, right? Like people are in this confined space and you try to do your best to keep people safe and keep the players safe. But, you know, the rebel's out there and he can get loose. Yeah, like I don't know if you, um, I think I sent you an article Uh, via text but the article basically described all of the protocol the actual step-by-step protocol that the USTA has taken upon themselves to ensure the safety of the thousands of people that are participating so I mean again 
they've got two hotels. They get shuttled back and forth. Um, Stacy Allister, who's the director of the U.S. Open, she um, said that the players let us know where they are twenty four seven. Like if they fart, they have to let them know. <laughs> if they take a poop, they have to let them know. So you know, and on top of that, like the testing when they first arrive, they get tested, and then they have to stay in their rooms until a negative test result um, gets produced. They get tested again 48 hours later, and then after that 48-hour period, they're tested every four days. So the USTA, like we said in like previous shows, are running a really tight ship. And, you know, again, the fact that – I think that it wasn't a surprise to anyone that one person tested positive, but – we, to your point, I mean, what would it take for the whole show to get shut down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it would take a good chunk of one part of the draw, I guess, or, you know, m- more than a handful of players, I think. You know, the players would just have to default and then s- players who are around them would maybe self-isolate. But I don't know. I mean, who knows? Some of these sports leagues have had to cancel games because multiple players have tested positive. I think tennis, because it's a tournament and because it's solo and because teams are separated, it it doesn't quite have the same risk, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, okay, maybe this is a dumb question, but because they are in a bubble, right, at the USTA National Tennis Center and either in either one of the hotels that they've, decided to stay at when I see the IG stories of the players that are chilling out and like doing their thing and like taking pictures of their cafe and their croissant they're with a bunch of other players in close proximity less than six feet so my assumption is like okay we're in a bubble we're all getting tested like on the regular we can chill and we can you know, we can be close to each other less than six feet. Am I wrong? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think there's probably some sense of safety that comes after having gone through several days of this protocol or being there now probably 10 or 12 or 14 days if they arrived a week before Cincy. So there, there's probably some comfort that has been achieved by some of these players where you know, maybe they they should be <laughs> adhering to certain <laughs> protocols and be wearing, you know, they're told from the article you sent me, they're supposed to be wearing a mask when uh, at all times, except when they're working out, practicing yes. or playing. Yeah. I, and w- go ahead. Uh, nope. I, I mean, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that's necessarily happening. Yeah. Like what I find so funny is that you know, again, obsessively on IG, watching all of the photos of the players um, that they post on their respective walls. You know, uh, before a match, during a training session, they take photos with each other, you know, socially distancing, showing like the length of their rackets touching and being like, we're being so, we're following all the rules (laughs) and we're doing our best to not, you know, spread the virus. But back, back at the hotel, (laughs) <laughs> they're all playing cards and on top of each other. I just think that's funny. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's funny. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you may have bared witness on IG live with Benoit Pair and his buddies and Kiki to 
you know, the end of the U.S. Open. But why are, why do people want to F it up for us? Why do people want... We've been waiting so long for yes. tennis to come back. And the USTA has done uh, worked so hard to make sure it's safe and make sure it, it comes off well and the players are safe and, and we all get to watch tennis on TV, if not live, in person. So don't F around, man. Yeah, Kiki... Do you love me? Let's have a Kiki, Kiki. Yeah. Do you know that reference? Yes. That Drake song? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Kiki, for calling you out. I just saw you. You were there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. There's obviously a lot that we don't know, but I did see you with my two own eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> and my eyeballs don't lie. <laughs> so, you know, we wish him well, obviously. But, yes. you know, it's a lesson for all of you other players. Keep it chill. Keep it separate from anybody else. Be in your own bubble. Be with your mom. You know, if you're chapeau, be with your mom. Hang out with her. Hang out with your girlfriend. Just keep it to your tight knit bubble. I maybe I'm gonna say something controversial. <gasps> Go. I might. Okay. I just feel it. I honestly, if I were in those players' shoes, knowing what you and I discussed on previous episodes about like this is the reality of the situation that we live in, where if you want to play a Grand Slam tournament, hold up that trophy at the end of the day, you got to self isolate and follow all the protocol. Now. Having watched all of those IG stories, chatting with you, playing tennis with you at Supreme Court, you know, again, following protocol, you and I. Honestly, if I was a player at the U.S. Open slash Cincy, and I knew that all of this protocol had been put in place and is being practiced every day, if Kiki called me on, like, my hotel room phone being like, Est-ce que tu veux jouer au jeu de cartes? <laughs> Do you want to play some cards <laughs> up in the lounge? I'm not going to say no to her. I, 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 I would not. I would go down to the lounge and I would at first be like, girl, do you want to play cards socially distancing? And then maybe we just would end up being less than six feet away from each other. <laughs> but you have so, to touch the know. cards. Yeah. You have to wear gloves touching them cards. Anyway. Honey, I'm just saying I, I'm just saying I'm not doing that. I and I think a lot of the players are not doing that. <laughs> I hear you. But here's the analogy <laughs> I will use. I go to work twice a week now, now that our offices are reopened, and I have to wear a mask. It's the one thing that I have to do to keep my coworkers safe and everybody else safe. These players when they lose the first round, get $61,000. So mm. you're going to work. This is a job. The tournament has set this up for you. Don't fuck around. Ooh, did you hear that, y'all? <laughs> Jason just told all of you, you are going to work. So you need to be serious because he's going to work and he's doing his job. Yeah. So y'all better make sure. <laughs> <laughs> when you're on those IG stories, Jason Jason is going to make sure that you are wearing a, ma a mask where you need to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. We wish Benoit Pair the rebel well. Yes. In his recovery as he gets forced to withdraw from the U.S. Open. I mean, his chances were probably not very good, so maybe this is a blessing in disguise where he can just take some rest. Yeah, I mean, not the way he played at UTS, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of Cincy uh, on the whole and the sort of return to big tournament play, big, big, yeah, big-time tennis tournament play? Yeah, I again, I was... 
I was curious to see how I would get into the competitive spirit of a Masters tournament without fans, without the regular things that you and I are used to watching on, on TV. But I really got into it. I mean, it didn't faze me that there were no fans. It didn't faze me that there were less, you know, people on the court, not as many ball boys, etc. Um, th- I thought the quality of the tennis was amazing and so exciting. And I got into all of the women's matches <laughs> that I watched. Yeah. I watched a little a little bit of the men's highlights, <laughs> not even the matches. <laughs> highlights. I tried to watch some of both. Um, yeah, so I watched a bit of both. I agree the tennis was pretty pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, for a first go around and, you know, obviously we've been on the last couple of weeks and there's been some smaller tournaments but this is sort of the first big event and now there's a grand slam uh upcoming starting this week but um yeah i would say the the event went off pretty well the the fact that there were no fans didn't really detract i think from the play or my interest in watching any match in particular or what court it was on i think in a way it sort of allowed each match to sort of stand on its own the fact that Mm -hmm. you didn't really pay attention to which court it was on i mean they they kind of told you that it was on grandstand because that was the court that they were primarily using uh Mm -hmm. as the show court but it didn't really matter what what court they were using i was sort of into the tennis yeah um some really nice storylines on the women's side. First of all, congrats to Vika. Yes, that was so exciting. I'd love her. So I love her too so so much and I'm one of her biggest supporters in her comeback because you know, she had her baby and we all know she well, maybe we all don't know, but you know, it is publicly noted that she's been in, embroiled in a custody battle over you know, her child with her baby daddy. So that's the reason why she missed the Australian Open. And so she won her first title in Cincy since 2016. Well, and she won her first match in 2020 in Cincy. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, she had a great tournament. She beat Cornet in the fourth round. Jabour, who was having also an excellent tournament in the quarters. Conta was killing it. She beat her in the semis. And another storyline from Cincy was the fact that she won the tournament that she won her final match without, without having to hit having, a ball. Yeah, without having to play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Conta piece was really interesting because Conta hadn't been broken the whole tournament until right. the second set against Azarenka. And then she broke her like four or five times after that. Yeah, Vika, I mean, she played the Lexington <laughs> tournament that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. She lost badly to Venus, to like a, you know, new and improved Venus Williams. She lost like three and two. And she actually said, I think she said that she really thought about hanging up the racket, putting the balls away, you know, full-time mom situation and that her tennis career was over. And lo and behold, here she is with a master's title. Yeah. So I'm so happy for her. I love that she won. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's uh, uh, more good things to come for her because I'm very happy as well to see her back and holding a trophy after, I think yeah. it has been, it had been four years since she won a tournament. So yeah um just a quick side note what did you think about the kits i know this wasn't planned but i i just remembered her kit in particular that bright pink with the yellow 
geo shapes. <laughs> yes. So I did you? Yeah, I dug her kit. I know. So obviously, last episode we talked with Jeannie about Andre, and Andre has sort of been a big theme of this summer tour with all of the Nike sponsored players wearing mm-hmm. uh, retro Andre Agassi kits and hers I would say was my favorite only because that whole sort of open top thing that happens for the guys <laughs> and even for the women it's sort of like wider at the at the base than it is yeah. towards the top not not into it so you know when Den- <laughs> and you know i'm i'm down with seeing guys midriffs that's i have no issue with that but as a <laughs> you know thinking about it as a player i would be a bit uncomfortable wearing that myself i i love the cropped i love the cropped feature <laughs> i thought it was not only cute but like it i'm feeling all the 90s vibes like not just in tennis but 90s is coming back in a big way like neons coming back bright colors abstract shapes so i was living for all of the kits i know you did not like dennis's kit at all (laughs) i think (laughs) i think i thought of it as you know i like the retro vibe i like you know thinking about the fact that agassi wore that and and people are bringing that back so i think that that part of it is cool i thought of it more literally as something would i wear that and i couldn't see myself wearing that gotcha yeah gotcha but i i yeah. dig i dig the retro vibe for sure and but you, the nod but you to agassi a, for sure you have a nice midriff though you got the abs <laughs> i i have mm, no you're being <laughs> you're being kind you're being very kind you have those abs in certain lights <laughs> in, cer- yeah. in certain angles of the sunlight in, in certain <laughs> editing that happens in a program for 30 minutes maybe yeah <laughs> but so what um, other than Vika, what mm. were some of the big stories for you? I mean, I, I, th- I thought, um, you know, obviously everybody's eyes are, are always going to be on Serena and she was up against Sakari uh, up a set in five, three, and she was up 30 love and then things went South. Yeah. I, um, I mean, it, it's no, it's no, um, secret you and i are just pursuing sakari so hard thank you for correcting me i was just about to correct myself but (laughs) we learned during cincy because the commentators were saying it's sakari and um now we know now we know we won't get it wrong again i'm even though i just did (laughs) (laughs) anyway jay Jay and i are, are pursuing sakari we would love for her Maria to to be our next interview you and Tom Hill actually so Jay and I have been messaging her and Tom obsessively on (laughs) on our IG but I mean in terms of the tennis Zachary had a great week I mean she I forget who she played in the round before Serena but they were embroiled in a crazy ass tie break that went to like 11-9 and she just kept her head the whole time you know when you play Serena obviously it is like climbing a huge Mount Kilimanjaro to defeat her, especially on home turf. And being down 3-5 nonetheless, she, again, kept her shit, and she beat the GOAT. So major kudos to that cutie, that Greek cutie. Mm -hmm. And she beat Coco, who didn't really play very well in the first round, but to beat somebody (laughs) who, you know, you you might feel, um, you know, there's obviously eyes on her, and you maybe 
feel like you don't want to lose to a 16 year old so there's probably a bit of that that's going on <laughs> but she, she uh, Coco didn't play very well so but um, when Serena lost she, you know she was a bit upset she's only she's played five matches this, since the return of tennis and she's lost two mm-hmm. um, one to Zachary that's <laughs> 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 right I took a pause just to make sure <laughs> Rhymes with Zachary daiquiri. Rhymes, rhymes with daiquiri. Yes, rhymes exactly. with daiquiri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she said, uh, <laughs> she said after the match, uh, I put myself in a bad situation. You know, it's like dating a guy that you know sucks. <laughs> That's, what, what does that even mean? She's like, That's literally what I keep doing out here. It's like I have. I have got to get rid of this guy. It just makes no sense. It's frustrating. So I think what she was saying is she's putting herself in these situations where mm. she's up and she's not able to capitalize and she's not able to close the door. Um, mm. And she wanted to close the door on this guy named Got it. Zachary and couldn't do it. Got it. And that's like not something that she's known for. She's usually obviously an excellent closer like you figure you're Serena Williams, you're up a set five three. You got that monster serve that Jeannie mentioned in our interview last week was the best shot in women's tennis, maybe of all time. And you think you're gonna mosey on into the quarters, but you know, Zachary had other had other plans. Mm-hmm. So but this begs the question though. So we talked about us as viewers not sort of noticing the fact that fans weren't there and it didn't really Mm. impact our viewing of the tennis, but as Mm. somebody who perhaps thrives on audience interaction and audience pumping her up, do Mm. you, it, it, I think there might've been a bit of that for her in that match and in that loss. And do you think that that lack of um, fan interaction or fan engagement as they're you know cheering her on to maybe turn the corner and and turn the match around in this case with Zachary (laughs) could that impact her at the US Open and her attempt at getting the 24th because she's clearly one still one of the favorites despite her not playing well recently yeah I mean I don't think that Serena is like Jimmy Connors to the extreme where Jimmy really truly used the crowd to his advantage like if Connors was a player in during this time he would have it would be such you know a shame for him to play with without the public watching him because he really used the public to his advantage yeah i think she i think she definitely thrives off you know the crowd support so Maybe she did need that in her match against Zachary, and it might be a small hindrance to her, you know, at the U.S. Open next week, not having fans being like, girl, we want you to win your 24th. See, I got that fact right this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, you mentioned Jimmy. Jimmy would engage <laughs> the crowd and sort of mm-hmm. feed off it that way. Serena doesn't necessarily engage the crowd, right. but she gets engaged by the crowd engaging with her and she gets pumped and she gets angry. And um, that anger leads to a sort of shift in how she plays and she gets emotional. And as we've talked about before, she shows, um, she wears everything on on her chest when she's on the court. So, but she won't have that. She won't have the fans there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
Yeah, she, um, I'll be honest with you, like Serena, as you said before, is usually a major storyline in whatever tournament she plays. I really didn't pay much attention to her in Cincy. I didn't. I was all about Vika. I was all about her coming back and playing so well. And I actually was more into seeing how Venus was going to do because, again, we talked about her having a new serve. She has a new forehand. She played Diana Yastremska. Did you watch that match? She hit the ball hard. Honey, this girl, like, she... I can't even find an appropriate adjective to use to describe how this girl hits the ball. Like, bludgeons. (laughs) Like, she has... She has an enormous backswing and she literally uses every part of her body to just slam forehands all over the place. And, you know, I thought that Venus played amazing and she lost that in a third set, I think seven, five in the third set. But um, I think that Venus has a good chance of going really deep at the U.S. Open Mm -hmm. TBH. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully she does. We're going to get into that in a bit. Any other highlights from Cincy for you? Okay, I'm going to just talk very, very quickly. Yeah, there's a couple of um, ladies that I I felt deserved honorable mentions. So Elise Mertens, we know that girl. Yes, we do. Jeannie lost lost to her in Prague a couple weeks ago. And she followed up her final um, loss to Halep with a a semi-appearance at Cincy. So she's probably the most consistently, you know, consistently successful player right now on on the women's side. As you mentioned, Joe, congratulations, Joe Conta. Mm-hmm. Go for you. Um, and the last girl that I want to shout out is Miss Vera Zvonareva. Yeah, yes, Miss right? New Lips. <laughs> <laughs> She's 36, or is she 36? I didn't realize. I I don't I really just, know her age. I just saw the New Lips. The New Lips. And this girl as we all know, hasn't been around for a couple of years. She got married in 2016, had a baby, has had difficulty coming back and making a mark on the tour. And she made the round of 16. I mean, she really didn't play any big players, but that's a big thing for someone that's struggling with confidence. So I was happy to see her do so well. Is she playing the US Open, I assume? Yes, Sweet. I think so. I think so. You know who's not on in the draw, I don't think, is Kim. At the U.S. Open? I don't think... I didn't see her name in the draw. Did you? Yes, I did. We're going to talk about <gasps> oh, her first okay. round. Okay, sweet. We're going to talk about her first round in a moment. But <laughs> what about you? What were your highlights from Cincinnati? Um, Obviously, Milos. <laughs> Let's talk about the new and improved Milos, the, the get-down-to-business Milos. Yeah, the, the short shorts and tree trunk legs Milos yes I could not get enough of his legs I was very surprised at how much I was enjoying his legs those shorts were on point yeah he did not look (laughs) he he looked like he lost the COVID-15 that we talked about two episodes ago (laughs) and he was on fire she listen I, I admittedly I did not watch any of <laughs> any of his matches but i did i did watch the highlights and yes he did look very sharp he was uh, you have to watch did, okay so did you watch the highlights of his city pass match i did okay. i did watch the cc highlights i yes. could not believe how hard both of them were hitting the ball like i was like what the f is happening yeah i was like i w- don't think i could get to any of these balls <laughs> but like city pass obviously is a player to watch. I think he, if people don't think he's one of the favorites this week, 
mm. then you need to recheck your list. Which recheck your list? Yeah, because CC could take it home. CC could take it home, but he seems to struggle against Roundage. I mean, he's they've only played twice. He's lost both matches, uh, both in straight sets. But um, I was just so impressed with Roundage's movement and his reckless abandon with his ground strokes he was mm-hmm. hitting the backhand so well which is usually his weaker shot but he wasn't overthinking it of course until he got the fu- to the second set of the <laughs> final um did that did that did the old roundage come creep back uh but i'm yeah. sorry wait what what do you mean by the old roundage like hesitant he was just error filled yeah he was a bit error filled um maybe thinking about the fact that he was about to win his first masters 1000 yeah so but it was nice to sort of see him playing i mean he played murray he beat him 6262 so mm. yeah uh very good showing for Raonic and making people remember who the the big canadian star still is Ooh, you know what you showed me i mean i think maybe this is the perfect segue to talk about the asterisk debate but uh you know you showed me that list of players that he beat on his way to the final and i mean to say that it was no small task is a grave understatement because that girl beat some big players yeah I mean, so it was Steve, our friend Steve from the GLTA who started this chat. I mean, obviously, Steve <laughs> Steve wants to make sure people don't see Djokovic wins as asterisks because he's a huge Joko fan. So he was <laughs> <Exactly>. asking the question. <laughs> he was asking the question yesterday in relation to the final because he wanted to get people's knickers in a knot and get his own blood boiling perhaps (laughs) on how people feel about this but I I agree with him and you know maybe his maybe his take is a bit slighted because he loves uh, Djokovic but I think mine is really people have come to play they still have to win six or seven matches in this case Raonic had to win six matches and if he would have won the tournament, it I don't I couldn't have put an asterisk beside his win because of who he played and how he was playing. You know, he played mm. Sam Quarry in the first round. You know, he's a former top twenty player. Dan Evans was playing amazingly. He made it to the semis in Dubai before COVID, um, and then he beat Murray. Um, the guy who beat him in the Wimbledon final. He beat Krajanovic, who was also playing really well pre-COVID. Sitsi- he beat team. He beat Sitsipas. No, sorry. Oh, Krajanovic beat team. Yes. So, I, again, a player that's in form because team's on fire too, yeah. right? So. Um, and then uh, he beat Sitsipas, and they were just rifling the ball. I c- could not believe how hard they were hitting the ball. Um, and then, you know, I thought the Djokovic match was actually going to be pretty easy because Djokovic didn't, he, he felt that he looked a bit lame in that match, but mm-hmm. uh, turned out that Djokovic turned it on, having not expended so much energy after the first set. And, um, you know, probably got a bit in his head, Mr. Raonic, and, Aww. you know, succumb 6-3, uh, 6-4 six, six, uh, in the second and third and did not take home the biggest title of his career he still only got the 500 level yeah and i mean to continue with this whole talk about the asterisk debate 
the fact that players have to deal with new protocols and have to, you know, the, hopefully the vast majority of them <laughs> practicing those protocols consistently, it adds another layer to the fact that, you know, it may prove to be more difficult to win a tournament during this time. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't really have an opinion either way. I thought perhaps like, you know, I did. I do remember saying that in a previous episode, not having the fans there as another element to overcome or to spur you toward victory would, you know, make this Masters and the U.S. Open have an asterisk asterisk next to the winners in name. But I think it's tougher. I think it's I think it's tougher. And that shouldn't be taken away. My Milos did amazing to get to the final, and Djokovic, I mean, not surprisingly, won his what five hundred fiftieth, thirty fifth Masters one thousand Masters. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, he tied Nad- uh, tied Nadal for thirty five. Yeah, and he has won all of them twice, which none of the other two have done. So. He's, yeah, maybe we we need to revisit the goat episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's he's staking his claim, and he's only thirty three and has several more years, and he's going to have s- several years potentially of playing without Federer and Nadal. So, yeah. Okay. I, sorry. Can I just ask you a question? Yeah. Um. Again, not knowing very much, uh, knowing my having my limited knowledge about men's tennis, I did watch this guy because you had recommended that I watch him Bautista Agut mm-hmm. had a great tournament yes you know you told me that you know you didn't really see him as a player that had any big weapons won't blow you off the court but for whatever freaking reason this guy is consistent gets deep into draws and how did you think he played uh he played very well I mean you saw I assume you watched a bit of his match with Djokovic I did he won the first set yeah he won the first set and um you know took him to a tie break in the third obviously didn't win a point in that tie break but mm-hmm. yeah he's sort of for me the David Ferrer of this particular <laughs> generation and that's not just because he's a Spanish player he's just very solid hits the ball the ball very cleanly doesn't have any particular weapons like isn't gonna hit any any incredible angles but he can wear you down and I think that's where his strengths are but you know it'll be interesting to see he's he's a regular in quarters and semis of events but can't quite you know break through to win win the big tournaments but we'll see he's a, a, a one thing I learned was he he was a regular I guess hitting partner with Djokovic so Oh. Be interesting to see what happens for him at the U.S. Open. Yeah, Roberto. Roberto Batista Agu, also known Good as luck. RBA. RBA. <laughs> Good, <laughs> yeah. Good luck, RBA. Yeah. Do you, before week. before we move on, uh, I know you wanted to talk about Naomi. Ooh, oh my God! How how could we forget? That was another major storyline from Cincy. Uh huh. So okay, let's see if I can get the order of events correct so on wednesday um naomi tweeted on her social platform and she said you know i just pulled a couple of lines from her official tweet she said that before i'm an athlete i'm a black woman and end quote and she said that she was going to withdraw and was ready to concede her match to elise mertens i believe in her semi-final um in protest uh 
of the shooting of James Blake I earlier that week or was it the week before something like that it was uh yeah it was over the week the weekend prior i think yeah the weekend prior and you know she did that um and other sports leagues in the united states followed well then didn't follow suit but they did you know stop play in protest um the nba's milwaukee bucks being one of the teams and so we thought that she was going to withdraw and concede her match to Mertens but I believe her actions in that tweet spurred the governing bodies of tennis to collectively make a decision so the USTA the WTA the ATP all sat down and said you know what I think um, based on her tweet we're going to just pause play on Thursday as collective protest and so Naomi for having kind of spearheaded the whole thing got a lot of praise from her peers saying that you know she was um at the forefront of um you know tennis and using her platform in a positive way using her voice and then suddenly we get another piece of news that she's now playing her semi-final again so you know, maybe you can help elaborate, Jay, but I guess the the WTA sat down with her, the organizers of the tournament saying, listen, we're going to do this pause um, in protest with you, uh, you know, as a, um, as a united front in the tennis community. And can you please play your semifinal? <laughs> <laughs> Which she ended up winning. She did. She won. And just a slight correction so that people mm. don't think a tennis player was shot because you did say James Blake. It was, His name was Jacob oh. Blake. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, okay, so not James Blake. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's fine. But um, yeah, I think it was it was probably the right move for her to, again... Play. I think the, the the tours did the right thing to f- sort of follow suit with her and do a pause as was happening in in the other sports. And I I think it was the right move for her to um, continue playing. I think mm-hmm. there is you know this conversation about um, taking a pause and, and you know making a political statement uh, about the sport and you know wanting to look after our communities and and fight against anti-black racism i think taking the next step and and having her um agree to play um the next day uh, made made the most sense in my opinion i think it was probably the right move to to do um to to continue the tournament and and to play i think you know she had why, why do you think that is i think the there was a united statement that was made a united front to stand behind to take a pause um from the event and take a day break to recognize what was happening in the world and in the community and to sort of uh have tennis stand up for that um so mm-hmm. hopefully she felt that support and decided to um come back to the court for that for that reason because she felt supported i i hope that's what what transpired but who knows yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, from what I know about Naomi and her actions, she was clearly she's clearly been so affected and emotional about the violence in the United States. Like she apparently flew um, when George Floyd got murdered by those police officers and protested with uh, and participated in protests. So, you know, I think that she feels a, res- 
I mean, I don't know what she thinks or feels because she, uh, other than statements that she's released. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, I think that, you know, she probably felt that her withdrawing initially from the tournament was her way of obviously protesting. And she felt compelled to do that. And from my desk, I think that had she withdrawn from the tournament, decide not, not to play the semifinal, that would have been something that I would give her props for. You know, I would definitely give her props for that because, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what it's like to be standing in her shoes, but for her to say, I am not going to play this match, she had to make that decision based on based on everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it really didn't matter very much because that girl got injured in her semifinal. <laughs> <laughs> the semifinal she won and she got injured and then they had the trophy presentation before the match would have even started. Yeah. Yeah, and you know she's got that. What is it? A left hamstring pull. Yeah, from the semis, and she plays tomorrow. Yeah. So she's got to get herself together. She got to get that self herself together because she's gonna be on Arthur Ashe tomorrow night. Yeah. In front of a zero point zero people. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe like ten people. Ten people. So speaking of the U.S. Open, we should probably dive in because we're like already 40 minutes into this episode and people are going to be <laughs> like falling asleep. So no, they love they. I'm sure that they love the Cincy commentary. Yeah, they love the Cincy commentary and they're going to love our little <laughs> our little take on um, the draw. So why don't you dive quickly into the women? OK, going to dive right into the women, something I've never done before in my life. <laughs> um, a couple of really interesting first round matchups. I'm only going to highlight a few, but um, Venus Williams, third favorite player of all time, is playing <laughs> Muchova, <laughs> who is seated number 20. And the reason why this is interesting is because Venus participated in her first U.S. Open in 97. Muchova wasn't even born. <laughs> oh my God. Like, can you just take a pause she played in 97, her first U.S. Open. This girl wasn't even a thought in the universe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now she's playing her in the first round. Oh. So I'm I'm interested to see how she's going to do with her new forehand and, and serve. Um, something that you're going to be looking forward to, your girl. I, I'm starting to kind of think that she's your girl. Kleisters. Yes. Is facing Alexandrova. And I'm. we're just all really curious how she's going to come up like she played a flawless summer killed everyone in WTT had to pull out of Cincy with an abdominal strain I believe and she's a dark horse I mean I think a lot of people are starting to figure out that she's on the radar to possibly go far maybe even win better watch out for her she's yeah. she's 36 but she's no joke this is her second return from retirement <laughs> <laughs> I know three US opens make it four yeah make it four Kimmy um, Goff, so Coco Goff faces Sevastova, who made the semifinals of the U.S. Open two years ago. The reason why I think this is interesting is because, you know, remember we talked about in the Monica episode, the era of Monica and Steffi and Capriotti, you know, girls that were reaching the heights of their sport at 13, 14, 15. Now, this girl Coco is no joke. She's the closest thing, I think, these days to what that we had in the 80s and 90s with tennis phenoms mm -hmm. so you know i think i think that she could go far i think she beat osaka at the australian open yeah i mean i think what's she's beat a lot of top <clears throat> players um what's most interesting for me about her is like she's still 
only 16 so she hasn't fully developed yeah. as a human and she still <laughs> hits second serves harder than a lot of the men do so that's i think what's uh, wh- the women need to be scared scared of because she is she hits the ball really hard especially on the serve and yeah she's she's one she's gonna be one to watch for a long time and on that note the last first round women's matchup that i find interesting is so little trivia do you know who the youngest player in the draw is on the women's side it's not coco not coco usually she is the youngest player it's not cuckoo for Coco Goff. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. It is not cuckoo no, I, for Coco Goff. <laughs> I, I would not be able to guess that. So the youngest player is an American player. Her name is Robin Montgomery. She is 15 years old and she plays Putin Seva. Remember that girl? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so talking about, you know, a young girl that just kills the ball this chick Montgomery, she's a lefty. She's 15. Got to watch out for her. I watched her um, juniors match in Australia. She is amazing. So there might be, there's, you know, the future of American women's tennis is bright. There's a lot of American women in the draw. Obviously, it's the U.S. Open. What are your thoughts, though, the fact that six of the top 10 women are not playing? Right. Okay. Thank you, partner, for the perfect segue because um, I was going to talk to you about like I was going to talk to the fact that the draw like the bottom half of the draw is really packed Um, and then I'll answer your question. So for the top half, there's really not many players in the first quarter is like Pliskova, Kerber, Martic, who cares, whatever. Second quarter, (laughs) you got Osaka in the in the second quarter of the top half, Goff is there, Kvitova. I put in Yastremska because I think she's going to do amazing. But now we get to the real drama. The juice. The, bo- the juice. The bottom half of the draw in that third quarter, you've got Serena, you've got Keys, Sloan, Sakari, and Mugu. Mm, Mugu. That's, that's crazy. You know, all those girls up in that third quarter of the draw. And then in the bottom quarter, you've got Sabalenka, Azarenka, Venus, Mertens, Kleisters. And I threw in Leila Fernandez because we love our Canadian representation. And then, of course, the second seed, Kennan. So that bottom half is stacked. I saw now, I saw Kennan's, you know, the U.S. Open or the USTA does like what the top four players trajectory would be if they face the top seed in the yes. next round or whatever and her yeah. her road looked the toughest to me Kenneth. yeah and based on her play at cincy where she hit like nine million errors <laughs> kenan kenan is an excellent player i'm sure she can get her stuff together but that bottom half of the draw is crazy but to answer your first question about what i think of the kind of decimated women's draw i mean who's not going to be there let's just do a quick review so Simona's not going to be there. Um, who else? Benchich. Benchich, yep. Yeah. Oh, who, uh, who else am I missing? That's oh, like... you're missing the number one player in the world. Is that not a? Who... Is that not a? <laughs> is that not a read of some sort? <laughs> Remind me again. Uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm. I swear, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, rhymes with sash. Ash. Frick. <laughs> Sorry, Ash. Yes. 
Ash, Marty, how could I freaking forget? Sorry, I, mean, I don't think all our Australian I think, fans. <laughs> I don't think you're alone that people forget that she's number one in the world. Like, I out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. I haven't been hearing her. I mean, she's taking care of that baby a lot. Anyway, yes, Wait, I think she that, has a baby. Well, well, she she's been hanging out with IG Sam Sto- Stozer. <laughs> I don't I don't know whose baby it is to be honest. <laughs> but she's definitely hanging around with a baby. It's a okay. cute little baby. Um yeah, I I kind of feel the same way you do. I think the draw is not as strong. Um would have been nice obviously to have Ash. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> and um and Halep. <laughs> and Halep there. But there are a lot of the feel is still deep and you add you add the spice of clysters there and you got to you got a good draw. So Ooh. I'm okay with this draw. TBH. I, I like that. The spice of Kleisters. Yeah. The spice of Kleist. The spice of... Yes. But I mean, let's be honest. So when we talk about women's tennis or the women's draws generally, when was the last time like you've reached a semifinal in a women's draw at an event and it's been the top four seeds? Exactly. Like, exactly. Absolutely. Like never, almost never. Like that would be <laughs> that would be a good trivia question. A hundred percent. Let us know, our listeners out there, when the last time the top four seeds of a Grand Slam on the women's side made the semis, because I can't remember the last time. Yeah, and I mean that's sort of indicative of women's tennis, which is why I think many people love it. It's so interesting, and it can be anyone's tournament, and that is something that's said on repeat anytime a tournament starts for women. But in this case, it's sort of true to the umpteenth degree like any anyone could really win uh yeah. my vote is on you Zachary. <laughs> <laughs> Zachary, come on our show after you win the u.s open we can talk all about it mm-hmm. and we'll learn some greek before that yeah okay what about the men's draw what do you so think so diving into the men's Ooh, juicy educate mm. me so, I mean, the the interesting matches, I think, in the first round are obviously my boy, Kevin Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of boys. Kevin Anderson, who I do enjoy watching. He's playing Zverev in the first round. So that'll Dang. be, that's a juicy first round. Uh, I think another juicy first round is RBA, our boy, who we just talked about against Tennis San, Sangrin. Sangrin. Mm. He's cute. Yeah, he is cute. Um, Yannick's, uh, Yannick Sinner, who you said was Australian, but is actually Italian. <laughs> From Italy, yes. <laughs> uh, I think he he's somebody we should be watching for the next year, year and a half, because he's going to make a rise. He's playing Hatchinoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Karen. this... Karen. There's, uh, there's this young Brazilian player. You probably don't have not not heard of him his name is Bruno Diego. Suarez no his name is Diego Seaboth C- Wild Ooh. he won his first 250 event prior to COVID in Chile wow and he's facing Dan Evans who is also playing very well so I'm interested to see that match Diego is also a cutie right so says um, no one except for you <laughs> not the cutie part like the interesting match part <laughs> yeah I, I yeah no no that's true nobody else will be watching that match except me <laughs> on tv and but i won't even get it on tv because it won't be covered so i'll have to try and find the highlights or something um 
I think, you know, we have a top four that includes Djokovic, team who played terribly in Cincy. So what's his deal? I'm not really sure. People probably would have picked him as a favorite prior to Cincy, but I can't see them having picked him now how he since uh, related to how he played in Cincy. Mm. Um, Medvedev, I think, has the toughest road um, in the fourth round. Danili, he did he play Cincy? Yeah, Danili played. Who did he lose to? He lost to RBA. He he like killed him in the first set, and then things fell apart, and RBA just kept being consistent. Got it. That's his vibe. So I think you know the men's draw is maybe a bit more solid I guess perhaps than the women like maybe there's a few more women missing mm-hmm. um, some of the matchups to look forward to I think if as Canadian fans would be Vashik versus Milos in the second round wow that's that's going to be real interesting yeah and then uh, Felix versus Andy Murray in the sec- a potential second round match there, the mat these matchups I see I would I'm getting excited about that and mm-hmm. I don't even like men's tennis <laughs> <laughs> so I think it'll be an interesting tournament I didn't sort of dive too far into you know further into the draw or look too far forward obviously my eyes are going to continue to be on Medvedev mm-hmm. um, because he's one of my faves obviously Sitsipas did pretty well he should be considered one of the favorites actually over team in my opinion mm. and Zverev has only ever made a semi-final and that was in Australia but he can st- it continues to sort of struggle with his serve so I don't know I don't my I wouldn't put my bet on him but I, he can start turning things around and playing well at any minute but that minute what hasn't been happened in 2020 two two weeks from now when we do our US Open uh, wrap up we're gonna be talking about Novak Djokovic <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's gonna he I don't know if you saw my comment on his picture why are his hands always extended out in every picture because he's why because he does that sort of heart gesture that Nick Curios hates to the crowd oh god I'm with I'm with Nick on that it's so irritating I mean you should change it up when nobody is there yeah do something a little bit different I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I think, I mean, what does my opinion matter? But I think Joko is obviously the most, if I had to put bets on anyone, it would be Joko. Joko, Medvedev, Sitsipas. Maybe Sitsi slightly over Medvedev, in my opinion, just based on how how things looked for Sitsi at Cincy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But um, it'll be an interesting event. What do you, do you think they'll do anything different in terms of the production or the TV coverage for I between was, the two? I was going to ask you that. I don't... I mean, I think there will be the obvious difference that it'll be all the US Open, you know, um, monikers, theme song. But I don't think that it's going to be very different, TBH. I think it's just going to be like Cincy, but the US Open. I don't I don't see any drastic differences that they're going to implement. Why do you think so? I don't know. I just feel like they should do something a bit more for the production of the event because it's a Grand Slam. Hopefully there's something a little bit different um, that comes from the TV coverage or from, you know, some of the, the matches on 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 um, on the stadium court. 
I don't mm. know. Something well, that so adds to the production value for the spectators who are watching at home who can't be there. Yeah, I mean, exactly. To your point, it is a grand slam. Let's spice it up a little bit. Let's make, let's give it a little flourish. As we end that part, what do you think of the Hawkeye Live piece? Hawk. Okay, what do you mean? What do the Hawkeye Live? The yeah, I mean, calls. obviously they've they've made it Hawkeye Live a thing on most of the courts except for two, and it seems to like speed speed things up a bit. Um, yeah. There's no sort of arguing the calls because the calls are the calls. They're made by a computer and then somebody actually calls it out, but the computer makes the calls. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's made the tennis playing straightforward. You know, uh, all the matches that I watched, I mean, if there was anything, there would be a player looking. If there was a player that doubted a call, they would look to the umpire and be like, "I, are you sure? And the umpire would be like, yeah, it was out. And that w- that's pretty much it. So there's definitely less drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, how could anyone engage in any drama when it's a machine? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's made the tennis straightforward, and I'm okay with it. It'll be interesting to see if that becomes how tournaments get played going forward because obviously you engage a whole bunch of ball kids and lines people, and mm-hmm. all of that goes away if you're using the tech – Well at least the lines people go away if you're using the technology so yeah the the thing is is that i I forgot who said it it was a tennis commentator tennis is already an individual sport you know and the more you take the more people you take away i think the less appealing it becomes you just even though we just spent an hour and what five seconds talking about how we felt that there wasn't much of a change with like no fans and less people on the court if I had a choice, I would still have Hawkeye um, be used in the way it was before lockdown. You know what I mean? Because you you remove you remove the umpires. You got two players and then one umpire refereeing the whole damn thing. And it's like this is you might as well be playing on a, a deserted island. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah, I think there is some some dramatic element to like having lines people having them having Mm. the chance that maybe they made an errant call having the player have control of being able to call for a challenge and uh, there is sort of an added element to the entertainment value of tennis to have that and hawkeye live takes that away so it'll be interesting to see what the tournaments do and the governing bodies and if they decide to keep using that or not yeah did you right. do we have enough time to talk about the player council or do we want to save that for our next episode we'll save it for the next episode i mean like do people i guess the no we'll save it for the next episode. yeah I but think. you know vashik we do want to talk to you about that because we're intrigued we're interested <laughs> we want to edu- educate ourselves and learn more yeah so what better place to educate us than by coming on our show <laughs> yeah i mean genie said you would <laughs> i know and whatever genie says we now believe 100 percent because 100% because we're BFFs. Yeah. So Vashik, if you're listening, put your pen and paper down and, you know, stop creating <laughs> players unions. Stop <laughs> selling mushrooms. Stop drinking maple syrup and come on our show. But please go far in the U.S. Open. Yes. I echo all of those sentiments. Yeah, exactly. And before we go, I have to give a... a heartwarming send out to my boy Delpo who had another <gasps> freaking surgery 
Oh, honey. I cannot with this with this guy and the fact that he just has no freaking luck. Do you feel like you're cheating on him? I honestly, the way that I look at it is, I feel like you're cheating on him with Danili. Like he's your new Delpo. No, it won't be. It, <laughs> it, he Delpo has nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> I like Danili. I like. Sorry, I like Daniil. But yeah, Delpo. It's just you know, as as they used to say <laughs> on Mad TV in that Mad TV skit. It's a whole nother level with okay. with Delpo. <laughs> I hope that someone understood that reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any Mad TV fans, please email me at the Ready Play Tennis Podcast <laughs> and tell me you you know that reference. On that note, Alrighty. we say goodbye. We hope you all enjoy the US Open. Yes, enjoy the tennis keep on sending us the, okay one little thing before we sign off we've jason and i have enjoyed the increased fan interaction yeah we love seeing your replies to our stories so keep that stuff coming mm-hmm. on that note peace out enjoy the u.s open peace out y'all hey it's your serve if you love this episode be sure to give us a five-star review and don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about see what i did there and don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya!